But this morning, I, I know when I was invited to come, I, matter of fact, I, it's not that I didn't want to come, but I, I remember when Pastor Peter first approached me, it was not long after I'd been here the last time, and, and I said, Pastor Peter, do you really want me to come back so soon? And uh, he said, yes, we want you to do, do some things for us. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And when I went off the phone, it was very, very quickly put something put in my heart. And I want to give honor to the word of God this morning in this respect. This morning, I want to raise a subject with you. And I titled this message, if you are interested in titles, Crossing the Space Between Then and Now. Crossing the Space Between Then and Now. I, I really have to speak from my heart this morning as someone that endeavors to listen to the Spirit of God, not only for myself as an individual, but also for the body of Christ, as it were, in a wider sense. From time to time, I, I become aware of things that I, I, I'm not going to become some kind of crusader and go around trying to offend people. But I believe there are things that God uses me to bring to people's attention, and, and I trust you receive it as I present it this morning. I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to uh, tell people they're wrong. I just want to present something for you to consider, maybe in a way that you've never considered before. I've, uh, one word that's come to my attention of late is the word level, L-E-V-E-L. And... I don't know what you think about that word, but for whatever reason, over recent months particularly, I, I've been disturbed by that word being used in Christian circles. That's, this is just me personally. And a part of my concern is when you talk of levels, it, it almost can imply that there is a sense of someone better than another person. Because it's Often we use it in the context of, let's go to another level. And, and if we talk like that, and, and I, I know myself have used those kind of words, I, I realize I have to redefine my language. I have to consider what I'm saying and, and the implications of what I'm saying. And, and I, I, I use this to illustrate. I, I was sitting there this morning as our, our sister was leading the worship, and and then Pastor Peter got up and speak. I, I looked at the steps. Now, I, I don't I say this not to be disrespectful to Pastor Peter. I'm up here because of the cameras and uh, not because of my choice. My choice would be rather to be down there. Uh, but I'm up here and happy to serve Pastor Peter in doing so. But I, I looked at these steps and, and I realized that there's a distinction between the, the floor of this building and where I'm standing. And to get to where I'm standing, there's a, there's a step to take and another step to take. And, and there's nothing wrong with the physicalness of steps in the sense of serving a purpose. But when you bring it into the spiritual context of our life, it actually can be something that can create an obstacle or a blockage for people. I was listening to the testimonies of the young ones that stood on the platform this morning as a result of the camp experiences and um, I appreciate the way they expressed themselves and what they said. Because I, uh, this level kinds of thing has been disturbing me in as much as thinking, God, is, is, there, is there really a level mentality in heaven? 
You know, is there really a level mentality in the things of God? Now, we use the word level often in the context of our life today because we're expressing something by reason of, uh, like, going through the school system. You go from level uh, class 9 to class 10 or whatever it is, and you, there's a progression, and, and that's the normality of the life. But the reality is when you examine it in its, its essence, is does it, does it make the person level in level 10 or in room 9 or class 9 better than class 8? And the truth is it doesn't. All it means is that they've moved from one state of their life to another state of their life. But it doesn't mean anything about being better than. See, th- this morning, and I say this with all, for a true sense of humility, is like my perception of myself. I, I'm no better than anyone else in this room. I may be standing up here this morning, and I may be serving your pastor this morning and serving you as a church this morning, but to me, to stand behind this desk is a privilege. It's not a right. It's a privilege, not a right. And my standing here doesn't make me better than anyone in this room. It simply means for whatever reason, God has allowed me this opportunity to function in this capacity. But it's not a matter of being better than. See, when we, when we think of being better than someone, it means that they're not as good as us. And I say respectfully, what right have we got to think that we're better than anyone else? We really don't have a right to think we're better than anyone else. See, even, and I say this, when you take it from the context of the church as we would practice it this morning here, are we actually better than the people out there? The truth is we're not. We're not, we're not better than them. We, we, have, we have more knowledge maybe than them. We, move, we have more understanding than them, but we're not better than them. See, what the Bible says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't only give his son for you and I, he gave his son for them too. In other words, we are not better than them. See, the Bible says, under whom much is given, much is required. Now, this is where the difference comes. See, you and I, we are more responsible and need to be more responsible than those that have no knowledge of Christ. But this is the challenge. Are we practicing what we declare to be the truth? Are we living in this kind of lifestyle? I I quoted John 3.16, and I don't need to repeat it, but I started to think of when Jesus died... He died for the salvation of man. And I include women in that, of course. But he died for for the salvation of mankind. And that salvation was to be given and shared with freedom to all peoples. It's not just for us to enjoy in the church and say, you know, we're, we're better because we're saved. I'm not better because I'm saved. I'm just more responsible. I am more accountable. And so I need to think in these terms. And I, I started to think of the things that we, we often equate to levels. See, the truth is, when God died, he gave the best that he could give. He gave the best that he could give. He gave his best son, his only begotten son. His, his I use the word, the apple of his eye, the favorite of favorites. There was no one that would surpass him. There's, he, he's not got another son in reserve. 
He hasn't got another son in reserve. When he gave for you, he gave his very best. He gave his very best. And if you take that thought on, take it to the Holy Spirit. When he gave you the Holy Spirit, he gave me the Holy Spirit. He gave me the best Holy Spirit. I haven't got a better Holy Spirit than anyone else in this room. I've got the same Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said. He said, if the same Spirit that raised Christ dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. So, in other words, the same Spirit that was upon Paul is upon you and I. There's not, there's, not a, there's not a Holy Spirit for the days of the apostles and another Holy Spirit for the days that we're living in. It was the same Holy Spirit. And so when we use the word level in the context of the things of God, I, I really challenge you to think about how you are applying it. See, if you're applying it in the sense of being better than, then you're misunderstanding what I believe the Scripture is teaching. Listen to what it says in John 8, 32. When he, the Holy Spirit, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. In other words, truth was never intended to be a thing of, of separation. But knowing truth makes us more accountable. And if there's something I believe God wants to bring into the heart of his church in this particular time, it's an understanding that we are people of accountability. Now, I came here this morning, and I publicly declare it, and I say it, and I'm happy to keep on saying it. I'm here to serve Pastor Peter and this church. And for me to come here to serve is the privilege of my life. It's, it's like he didn't have to invite me. This church didn't have to welcome me. But you people have opened your heart to me, and Pastor Peter has opened his heart to me, and he's spoken to me. And so I stand here today by no right of my own, but by the grace of God. I'm here by the grace of God. And I say to you this morning, you are here by the grace of God too. And the grace that you enjoy and the grace that I enjoy is of the same kind. I don't have more grace than you. And you don't have any more than me. So then when, when we come to talking about things in God, what, is, what could be or what can be our perspective? I started to see it in this way, rather than levels, I see it as doors of opportunity. See, the Bible says this, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, it's not a matter of, if, if, can I just step down for a minute, Pastor Peter, just briefly, cameraman, you'll just have to follow me. If, if this is the beginning of my journey, if my, if my concept of, the things of God is that I'm taking another step and I'm getting closer to God and I'm taking another step closer to God. I'm, I'm talking of a measure of effort on my part. It means there's, there's something that God hasn't done that I need to do for myself. But the reality in my mind is this. When I got saved, I came into the fullness of Christ. So in other words, everything pertaining to Christ is in, with me in this level. So it's not a matter of stepping up into something, it's a matter of stepping into something. And God wants us to learn, this is the concept that I believe he wants us to, to embrace and enjoy. See, if you read the New Testament, I'm sure many of you do, I find no reference to levels in the New Testament. I do not find anyone saying, when you've prayed enough, you'll go to another level. When you've worshipped enough, you'll go to another level. No, it's just a matter of understanding. 
A, a song that caught my heart this morning. Sister, I appreciate, I appreciate your choice of songs. I don't know what you people think when you come to worship, but I'm very conscious of the songs I sing. Because I realize I, if I'm just going to look at the screen and sing words, then I haven't understood worship. You don't worship from a, from a board, yeah. from a screen. You worship from here. Yeah. In other words, there's, there's a sense where, I, yes, I may read the words to know them, but I don't sing them from the board. I sing them from here. And that song you sang this morning, um, I'm not the singer, you are, but you're talking about, what's that word, beautiful? How does it go, sister? How does that line go? Say again. Yeah, yeah. You, you're beautiful. You know, I, I, I know I'm a man speaking, but you know when I when I sing those words, it's like. It's like our sister was talking about tears. It's like, I find myself almost having to fight back tears. Because it's like I, I sing the word beautiful, in relationship to God once. And then we're, we're challenged to sing it a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth time. And but every time I sing it, it's like God's peeling back another layer of my understanding of, of the beauty of God. You know, I, I'm, not just, I'm not just saying, oh, he's beautiful. It, 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 that's not the intention. It should never be that way. It, there should be something that is drawing your heart to a place, as it were, in a closeness and a more closeness to God. See, worship is not about us. It's not about us. It's not how you feel. I, it's how God feels. And, 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 and if I'm going to call myself a worshiper, then my focus should be on pleasing him and not pleasing me. And this, this is the kind of thing that I am challenging myself to consider. Listen to what it says in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. Now I ask this question, how free is free? How free is free? In other words, if you're in a prison today, and if, I hope you're not, but if you were in a prison today, locked up in a chains and manacles and, and padlocks and all those sort of things, and, and I came and, and, and I undid the chains and left you in the prison, could you truly say you're free? The truth is you couldn't. But if I, if I undid your shackles and undid all the chains, undid the prison door and led you out and stood you out on the street outside the jail, you could declare, I am free. Yeah. See, our, our freedom is a positional thing. Yeah. But is our freedom, is it positional in the sense of more freedom? No. If the Bible says whom the Lord says free is free indeed, then then the freedom that God wants to you enjoy and me enjoy is absolute freedom. There's, the truth is there's no more freedom to have than what I have. But it's my understanding of that freedom and how I practice that freedom. I, I love the words of the disciple. Remember when he, when he was in jail and he came out? And it, he came and he actually thought he was in a dream. If you read the story correctly, he thought he was in a dream and he'd been let out, the shackles had dropped off the door and opened, he'd walked past the guards. He was out in the street and it says, and he came to himself. Yeah. 
He, he, had this, he had this Kairos moment where he, wow, this is what it's all about. And I, I truly believe that's what God wants you and I to grab hold of this morning. See, the, the fullness of God's freedom is yours right now. There's no more freedom to have than what you've got available to you right now. But it's whether you are entering into that freedom, whether you are engaging with that freedom, whether you're using that freedom, whether you're practicing that freedom. I, I know Pastor Peter, and he's not the only one, but for many years when people ring me or talk to me, they often say to me, Pastor Ali, how are you doing? And I, I'll often say this, I'm dangerous. Now, you, 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 I, I appreciate your response, but people say to me, why do you say that? Well, I tell you why I say it. I believe when I wake up in the morning, the devil gets scared. I'm dangerous. And I suggest to you this morning, when you wake up, you should be dangerous too. See, when I wake up, I, I, the, I believe the devil looks down and he says, oh, he's awake again. You know, I, I'm, 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 when, when, I, when I wake up, I'm not scared of the devil. He's scared of me. And I truly believe we have to adjust our, our thinking to, to put ourselves in the right place, the place that God intended us to be. See, some of us are still living, and I, I, I use the story not to be disrespectful, but some of us think coming out of the grave was sufficient for Lazarus. If, if just coming out of the grave was sufficient for Lazarus, then Jesus would not have said these words, loose him and let him go. In other words, there were, even when he came out of the graves, there was still something attached to him that represented the death that he had died. And Jesus said, loose him. And let, so when, when the grave clothes, the, I, I had this powerful thought, Pastor Peter. Where did they get the clothes to give Lazarus when they stripped off the grave clothes? That's maybe just a silly thought, but, but where did they get clothes? He, he, this, when, when they wrapped you up in grave clothes, they wrapped you up physically, stripped off your normal clothes, and they must have had some other garments for him to wear. But he wasn't wearing his grave clothes. In other words, when he was resurrected and came back to life, he, he wasn't half alive, was he? Was he three quarters alive? No, he was fully alive. In other words, there was, there was never any intention of God for him to progressively come alive. When God spoke, Lazarus come forth, Lazarus came out. Loose him and let him go was simply a taking off all those things that were symbolic of the life that he had been put into, the life of death. But now he was alive. So he put on the garments of life. And I suggest to you this morning, it's time for some of us to put on the garments of life. It's time for us to dress ourselves correctly. When you wake up on Sunday morning, you don't wake up with a sense of, oh, well, another Sunday. You wake up with a sense, hey, praise God, it's Sunday. You know, like there's that little statement, Pastor Peter, I remember a preacher one time ago, some people wake up in the morning and, and wake up like this, good Lord, morning. Other people wake up, good morning, Lord. How do you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up with an expression of gratitude yeah. or an expression of discouragement? Yeah. You know, I believe more of us, many of us, are controlled by the power of our own words. 
We are controlled by the power of our own words towards ourselves. I'm going to have a bad day today. Guess what kind of day you'll have? You'll have a bad day. I choose to be someone who speaks life over myself regularly. You know? See, out of the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, what's coming out of your mouth? Is, is hopelessness coming out of your mouth? Is failure coming out of your mouth? Our confessions of doubt. And I heard Pastor Peter talking about doubts and fears. Truly, I, I truly believe we many times are guilty with our own confession. We speak words of captivity over ourselves. And God wants us to realize that we don't have to live like that. And so even the words we speak, here's another word that I picked up on lately. I don't know whether I mentioned this in your church, but I was in a church just lately and I heard this pastor get up and, and he made this statement from the pulpit. Oh, sorry, not in a pulpit. We're in a gathering with a group of young people. And he made this statement. He was the youth pastor. And he said to, to the youth group, well, we've got Pastor Alec here today and he's going to come and share with us. But before he does that, let's just pray. And I put my hand up and I said, please stop. And he looked at me like this, and I said, please, can I, can I use this as a teaching moment? And he said, oh, by all means, Pastor Alec. I said, please, can you just refrain from using the word just before prayer? We don't just pray. See, when you use, let's just pray, in other words, we're saying we've got nothing better to do. Let's just fit some prayer in here to fill the gap. Let me tell you, prayer is not a gap filler. Prayer is an essential aspect of our life. So what we should say is, let's pray. In other words, we, we make it a definitive statement. You know, or let's just read the Bible. No, no, let's not just read the Bible. Let's read the Bible. I, I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm getting a bit paranoid about these things, but I believe all these things are becoming more and more significant. See, see we, we, we glide into these things and we accept them as being the norm. But that they, they're not meant to be the norm. You know, you, if you read the Gospels again, you will never find Jesus saying to Jesus, let's just pray. Or let's just do anything. If, if there was something to do, he, he gave clear instructions as to what it should be. And I truly believe we need to be the same towards ourselves. In other words, you and I should wake up on Sunday and say, I'm going to church, rather than say, let's just go to church today. Coming to church should not be an option. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. The Bible says in the last days, people will forsake the gathering together. We, we need to truly appreciate what we have here this morning. Do you realize there are people, literally, well, actually millions, I actually read a report this morning, there are literally millions of people being persecuted for their faith today, and you and I are not. We must not take the freedom we have together for granted. You know, in all honesty, we, uh, my wife and I, sadly she's gone to be with the Lord, and I heard Pastor Peter Peter talk about somebody who's passed away recently. I truly have, the, my wife, she's in a good place, she's in a safe place. I'd rather her be with me from a personal perspective, but I'm glad she's with the Lord. But we, you know, when, when I first became a Christian, you know what? We used to argue about who, whose turn it was to go to church. That sounds weird to some of you. 
we had, we had two children of our own, and we were looking after our, Elaine's my wife's half-brother and sister, so we had four children under the age of seven. And um, going to church, on Sunday we, we would go as a family to church, and that was the norm. But during the week, we had a midweek Bible study, and, and because of the children, we used to take turns. My wife and I would take turns at going. And I have to apologize. To, well, I told my wife before she passed away, she knows the truth of it. But there were times I used to come home and lie about whose turn it was to go. Because I'd tell her it was, she went the week before and it was my turn to go. And so I went, went when it wasn't my turn. See, we used to, we used to, we used to argue about who, who was, whose turn to go it was. But you know what? In some homes today, any excuse not to come is enough to stop the family coming. What, what a sad state of affairs. What a sad state of affairs. You know, if you've got to find a reason not to come, then coming is less than important to you. If you're looking for a reason not to come, then you're, you're coming to church is less important to you than what you say it is. You know, we need to understand that we've got a... I, I, there's another word I'm trying to lose out of my book, got to. The truth is, yes, there are things I should do, but I, I don't have to got to do them. I need to do them. I need to do things. There are things that I need to do. And I'm trying to adjust my own vocabulary. I'm trying to change the way I talk and the way I speak to myself and even the way I speak to other people. See, when we, when we read over the Word of God, I, I, let me read you this in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Now, when you read that, what, what, does it, what does it imply to you? It means that here was a person making a declaration about a group of people about the Lord's presence, like our sister saying about the Lord being beautiful this morning. This person was declaring the Lord is mighty. I, I have this, um, this is just a mental picture I have. I can imagine this man standing up in the midst of these people. And when he said, that, in the Lord and thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, I can imagine people stopping, bowing their heads in reverence and remembering the mightiness of God for them as their deliverer and savior. Yeah. See, when, when you hear of the goodness of God, what does it cause you to do? Or is, has it become so familiar that we, we use all these wonderful descriptive words, but we've lost the reality of the meaning behind the words? So in other words, when, when you say, I, I can imagine Pastor Peter and Cara, Pastor Cara, when, when, when they were courting, I can imagine him saying to her, oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. He is oh, he, he's trying to, trying to rob my sermon from me. <laughs> but you know, but I asked this challenge to you, Pastor Peter, how often do you call her beautiful? Oh, that's a good young man. <laughs> see, it's, see, it's one thing to say something, but do you say it with the same kind of meaning? Does she feel the same when you say it? Oh, don't answer. <laughs> See, it's, see we, can, we can become so familiar with the words, the meaning behind the words loses its significance. So when our sister was leading us in that song this morning, how did you feel? Did you stop and just begin to picture the beauty of God? I, this is what I saw, sister, when you were leading us in that song. This is the picture I saw. It may not be your picture, but I, I had a picture of myself standing somewhere, and I was looking 
towards God, and I saw his beauty. And, and as you said, he's beautiful. I just saw myself being picked up and moved closer and closer. In other words, his beauty was expanding and becoming more magnificent to me. You know, you, you may not, I'm just a bit of a simple thinker like this, but that's what those kind of songs do to me. They draw me to seeing something that is being described. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. I, I have said this over your pulpit. I know I have. When you've tasted the best, you don't want the rest. You know, if you truly had those moments, and, and I say to this young man and young lady standing on the platform this morning, don't let what happened in the last 36 hours just be a memory. May it be a point of focus for you that will motivate your heart for many days and if not years to come. That you'd be able to go back in those moments where you're not feeling all that well. You'd say, but God, even though I'm feeling like this way, I can remember when. I saw you this way and I felt you this way and you touched me this way. You know, this is, we need these moments in our lives. But it's nothing to do, in my opinion, it's nothing to do with levels. I am no closer to God standing on this platform than I am standing on the floor. I am no closer to God standing up here than standing there. I'm no closer to God if I walk out in the car park and get in my car and go home. I'm just as close to God when I'm driving home from this church today. When I walk in the door of my home, I'm just as close to God as I am standing here. When I sit in front of my computer preparing messages for other churches, I'm just as close to God sitting there in front of my computer. See, my location has no bearing on where God is. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present, and it's your and I perspective or perception of that. See, I don't have to, I don't have to step another step to get closer to God. All I do is step into his presence. I just, and you have to just step into his presence. And if you're not in his presence, then the question is, why not? Why aren't you and I in his presence? God has made this wonderful promise. He will, he will never withdraw himself from us. We can withdraw from him, but he will never withdraw from us. You need to understand that. You know, I, 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 I'm going to say something, and, and I have, very rarely, I may have only said it once or twice over pulpits, but... I believe there are going to be people in heaven that you and I would never expect to be there. I believe there are going to be people in heaven that you and I would never expect to be there. And the only reason they're there is by the grace and by the love of God. Not by the measurements of you and my opinion. They're not going to be there because of our opinion. They're going to be there because of God's grace and His grace love. See, in his love, think of yourself this morning, in his love, he reached into your circumstances and found you where you were and picked you up from where you were and put you where you are. The there and the now. The title of my message. The where I was is the where I was. If Alec left in that state, would have gone to a lost eternity and so would you. Without a doubt, I would have. But God reached into that place where I was, picked me up from there, and brought me to where he is. Did he bring me three quarters of the way to himself? No, he didn't. He brought me all the way to himself. I am here enjoying the fullness 
of God's grace and privilege upon my life. And I suggest, so are you. But by the grace of God, none of us would even be alive at this moment of time. I've told you this, and I think I've said it in the last time. You know, if I was God, I, I would obliterate this world and start again. I, I think I'd have more chance in starting again, Pastor Peter. Because I look over this world and I see so much evil and so much wickedness and so much ungodliness that it would be better to start again. But I'm not God. The only thing that keeps this world ticking is the grace and the love of God. If God was to withdraw his grace and his love, this world would cease to exist. I'm sorry, but it's not Russia that's holding back the world. It's not America, neither is it China or any other nation. It is God. And we need to understand that. And this God is not a God that has chosen to separate himself from you and I. This is a God that has chosen to come alongside you, to be there right beside you, to, to help you fulfill your divine purpose and divine calling. I told you as a church, 2007, I had five bypasses done on my heart. And I remember the doctor standing over me and telling me that I could possibly die on the operating table. And I'm looking up at the doctor with a smile on my face and I remember saying to, to myself, God, this is weird. This man's telling me I could die, but I'm happy. But it's like Pastor Peter said this morning, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I, I was in a win-win situation. <laughs> Truly. If the doctor did a good job, I would physically live and carry on, as I have. But if I died, I would be a happy chappy. I, I would have been where I've been pursuing to. See, this is it. People want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You know, that, well, let's make all those who want to die today walk through that door after church. You watch how many people walk through that door, Pastor Peter. It's not too many, if any. Most of us want to live, but the, the thing is, it's, it's not a matter of just living. It's, it's how you live. And how you use this which God has given you is a wonderful gift from himself. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 3.19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to go on the heights. I, I, I don't know what your perception is, but God doesn't want us to live in the valleys. He wants us to live on the top of the mountains. You know? I remember making this statement in a sermon recently. One man comes up to another man and says, how are you doing? He said, not bad under the circumstances. The second man said, what are you doing under there? You really, you really don't have to live under your circumstances. We don't have to. Yeah, bad stuff happens to good people, but I'm not living under the bad stuff. I'm not living under the bad stuff. Could my body be healthier than it is? Yes, it could be. Pastor Peter, this man has lost eight kilos in the last 10 weeks. <laughs> That's a challenge for some of you. <laughs> but I say this respectfully. And this is the proof of how God can work. Up until 10 weeks ago, I was dependent because of medical things that have happened. They'd cut nerves and damaged things in my body when they operated on me all those years ago. I was living on a regime of between eight and 10, sorry, eight, six and eight Panadol with codeine and Panadol mixture every day, every day of my life. 
between six and eight Panadol every day just to, just to live with pain under control. But I say this to glorify God. Since I've been on this last 10-week journey, not only have I lost some weight, but my dependency on Panadol and codeine has diminished greatly. In the last 10 weeks, I probably would have taken less than 16 Panadol in 10 weeks. See, I believe when, when we start to rearrange the order of God in our thinking and in our lives, not only will it benefit us physically, but it will benefit us spiritually. I, I, I've had a sharpness in my heart that I've not had, well, put it this way, I say it's an increasing sharpness. An increasing sharpness. And I, I, I've just come back from two weeks in Philippines and I came home for two nights, so one day in New Zealand, did my washing, hopped on a plane and went to Melbourne for six days. And it's, it's a wonderful life being retired. Yeah. And, but, you know, I, it's like I've seen the hand of God just upon my life in grace. I was in the Philippines and, and somebody in the touring party contracted COVID. And because of that, everybody had to test. And I tested and I came back with a weak positive. And because of that, they put me in quarantine for two days. But, you know, but before I came back to New Zealand, God had arranged for me to get the best medicine for COVID that was available. And it was given to me for nothing. If I was in New Zealand, it would cost me a lot of money to get it. But I was given this medicine. So by the time I got back to New Zealand, I did a COVID test. I tested clear and I could go to Melbourne. See, I was clear of COVID within five days. I truly believe in God's grace and God's provision and God's protection. See, but, yo, know, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm under authority. I will do what I'm asked to do. My, the team leader asked me not to minister on two, two meetings, so I never ministered in two meetings. I did that to respect the leadership. But I tell you what, God made it up in more ways than one. I, I spent the time in my hotel room reading and praying and, and preparing my heart before God, and I came out of that room, poof, and I've been a dynamite ever since. Whoa. I truly, truly am excited about tonight, coming to your church tonight. Tonight, I, as Pastor Peter says, and I'm going to bring a short devotion, and I mean a very short devotion, but we're going to spend most of the time just ministering to individuals, those that come. Bring your friends, bring your enemies, bring those that you love and those that you don't love. And God, God loves them even if you don't. But tonight, this morning, I, I really just want to keep you focused on that thing of must never see God as being on another level. God is on the same level as you and I. When Jesus came, he came down to serve. You never find Jesus looking for title or position. You never find Jesus trying to take an upper place or a higher place just for the sake of presenting himself in a bigger and a better place. You think of the occasion, even as he was coming towards his death, what did he do? The Bible says he, he took off his clothing, he put on a towel, and he bent down and he wiped the disciples' feet. This is not a man climbing, climbing steps to heaven. This is a man that's serving his master father in humility and grace. See, when you and I allow levels to come into our thinking as approaching God, then it means, see, for every step you take up, you're saying you're better than the people before you. And none of us are better than anyone before us. I've got a son, my oldest son. I've got three children, but my oldest son is not walking with God as I'd like him to. 
Do I love that boy? Yes, I do. Do I pray for that boy? Yes, I do. Would I like to see him walking in a closer relationship with God? Yes, I would. But I'll tell you what, I'd get so angry if anyone ever told him he has to step up to another level to find God. I believe God came down to find him. And if he's not on the same level, then my son would never find him. But I believe he can find God and God can find my son. Because they're on the same level. See, Jesus didn't come to separate. He came to reach out to us. Listen to what it says in Romans 8.35, and I thought Pastor Peter was going to quote it this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Who? Who, who, who? That sounds like an L, doesn't it? <laughs> who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger or sword? None of these things. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reading those words, there's no distinction of levels. I, I, if I reiterate that, it's because it's, I believe it's important for us to catch hold of. Just begin to think of how you describe things in the future. See, the moment you, you imply that you've come to another level, then what are you saying about the people that are on the level that you left? You're saying you're better than them. And we should never say that. We should never imply that we're better than somebody else. See, the people out there, I'm a sinner saved by grace standing here. They're a sinner yet to be saved by grace. Same people. The only difference is I found grace and I've become accountable for that grace. And I suggest to you, you have now become accountable for that grace. Listen to what it says in Psalm 73, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Yes, coming closer to God should be our experience. Am I closer to God today than I was yesterday? I'd like to think I am. But am I going to get closer to God tomorrow? Yes, I will. See, the closeness of today is sufficient for today, but it may not be sufficient for tomorrow. Therefore, there's a, it's a constant moving towards him. Not up to him, but towards him. And is it because God is changing? No, it's because I am changing. You and I are the ones that are changing. You know what does it say in is it Corinthians? It says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. I heard one translator, I don't know whether Pastor Peter would agree with this, but one translator said this, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passing away. All things are becoming. And there's a sense where it is progressive. But the reality of my salvation is complete at salvation. Amen. Today, if you gave your heart to the Lord today, you are just as saved as I am. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Isn't that amazing? 
You're just, you're just a saved. I, I love that story. Remember when the man was putting people to work and one went at the beginning of the day, another went at nine o'clock and 10 and 11, right through the day until five o'clock in the afternoon. He sent the last ones into the paddock and when they came and draw their wages, they all got how much? Exactly the same. Oh, in our human thinking, it doesn't seem fair. I've been a Christian for 50 years. I deserve more than this. No, you don't. Neither do I. The length of years you've been saved is but an act of grace. God didn't have to save you when he saved you. See, if it's it's up to you, then it's of works and it's not of God. It's up to God. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Hebrews 10, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. How's your heart this morning? Is it sincere? Is your heart really sincere? You know, even coming up in the car, Pastor Peter, I was leaving Menyari, we were driving up the motorway, and I was working up my time so I'd get here respectfully for you. In the middle of my driving up the motorway, I had this thought. I could stop believing God right now if I chose to and turn around and go home. And I don't have to even apologize if I wanted to do it my way. I could have, but I didn't, Pastor Peter. I chose to keep on driving because I believe I had an appointment here this morning that was worth keeping. And can I suggest to you this morning, some of us need to make having an appointment with God something that we don't swerve away from. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. A sincere heart. That means a heart that is fully convinced. You imagine Pastor Peter and Cara getting married and they're standing on the altar before the person conducting the wedding and they turn to Pastor Peter and said, Pastor Peter, well, they don't call him Pastor Peter, they call him Peter, Peter, will you take this lady to be your lawful wedding wife? They're having a whole after da da da. And he, he says these words I'll, I'll take her for the time being until something better comes along. <laughs> How quick would you think she would say yes to that? I don't think this lady would say yes to that at all. She wanted to know that this young man was going to be sincere, that what he was committing to her and, and promising her was going to be a lifetime commitment that she and possibly the children to come could depend on. I speak like this, I, I may, well, I say, God blessed us, my wife and I, with 52 years of marriage. 52 years of marriage. And if, if time had been allowed and she was still alive, this year we would have, on October the 2nd, we would have celebrated 57 years. Never got to physically 57, but I'm still married. <laughs> That's just my own personal thing. See, because there's a permanency and sincerity about what we do with our hearts. Listen to what it says in Isaiah, the warning. These people come near to me with their lips and their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Where's your heart this morning? Actually, is your heart in church with you this morning, or is your heart already thinking about lunch? Or is it thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon? Are Are you planning the week to come? Or you're thinking about a kindy nap this afternoon. Is, is your heart here and your body not? Or is your body here and your heart's not? 
These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Wow. That's Isaiah speaking. See, see, you can, you can come. Our sister and her team can lead the beautiful worship. And whether you enjoyed it or not this morning, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it truly, if, if we'd carried on that for another half an hour, I'd been quite happy. Truly, I, I, I wouldn't have been disturbed by it. I, I would have been glowed just to flow with what was happening. But Lord, it's not about taking another step up towards God. It's a matter of stepping into How close is God to you this morning? How, how really close is he to you? Is he the one that you turn and you see when you turn and see? I, I love that verse that Pastor Peter quoted. Remember, remember that story? You quoted the verse. I can't quote it. You can quote it. It says, he will hold you by the right hand. You ever, you ever, when that verse was spoken, I thought, God, why the right hand? And then I had this thought. The right hand is the, the hand that normally carries a weapon. So in other words, you've got to lay down your own means of self-defense to take his protection. God wants to take you by the right hand this morning. The right hand. He wants to take you by your right hand this morning. He wants you to lay down your own way of protecting yourself and take up his protection. Amen? I don't know whether you thought about that when you used that verse, but it came to me as you were speaking, Pastor Peter. But see, the truth is this. I'm going to come down again, Pastor Peter. If I upset you, then I'll apologize. But Pastor Peter, will you come and stand up here? Will you be God this morning? I know you're not, but you can be for this moment of time. Just step back a little. Just imagine this. Is this your picture of God this morning, that there's a series of steps you've got to get to get to him? I I don't, from my mind, I, I cannot perceive my Jesus putting himself in such a place. That's not the Jesus that I know in the Bible. You know the Jesus that I know? He's not standing up there, but he's already come down here. Come down, Jesus. This is, this is where my Jesus is. He, he's, an arm, he's an arm distance away. No, he's no further than that. Because the Bible says, reach out and touch the Lord. Amen. See, he's that, he's that close to all of us this morning, we can touch him. Amen. You know, what you can touch, you can't deny See, I, I know, I don't even have to look, I know where Pastor Peter is, because mm. I'm touching him. Mm. I can look another direction, I can still feel him. Mm. You know, he's not lost to me. Mm. And he promises never leave me or forsake me. Hallelujah. If anyone breaks this link, it's not him, it's me. Yeah. And no one can break that link for you this morning. If there's a day where you know you truly gave your heart to the Lord, then this was established. Amen. And he's not on another step above you and another one above that. He's right there. Mm. And he wants to walk with you in that sense of confidence and assurance. Mm. And he wants you to know there's not another level to find him. Mm. He's already come to your level. You may feel you're in a rubbish dump. He's there with you right now. 
You may feel you're on a mountain, he's right there. If you're on a river, he's right there like Pastor Peter's. No matter what your circumstances, God's right there. You don't have to go anywhere to touch him. Just reach out and touch him. Amen. I'm going to give Pastor Peter back to Kara. He's not God. You can receive him now. This morning, you start playing, you guys. Just play whatever you want to play. Lord, this morning, from the beginning of the service right until now, I've been mindful, Lord, of you being amongst us. You want to make yourself known to each and every one of us in a deeper way. But Lord, you're not placing yourself up a series of steps that we have to climb. Because Lord, already you've come to meet with us just where we are. And this morning, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes to see you in the closeness of your being. You've not gone away from us, but rather you walk beside us. You're not there to interfere with our lives. You're not there to manipulate our lives or control our lives. But you're there for us to touch when we need to touch you. And you're not scared when we touch you because you welcome our touch. Lord, this morning, Lord, help us to rearrange our thoughts that we would no longer lift you in a place that seems unapproachable. But may we see as you're fully and totally accessible. Lord, there's not one of us in this room that cannot find you. Because, Lord, you're not a God that hides. You're a God that reveals yourself. And so, Lord, I pray for the revealing work of the Holy Spirit to come amongst us. And just like Elijah said to to God on behalf of his servant, God, open my servant's eyes. And I say, Lord, open the eyes of this congregation that they would see you as you truly are in the place of your appointment, a place that you promised to be and a place you'll never leave. Lord, come. Help us to move that much closer to you than we've ever been.